Bet365 sponsors the Red Agenda, the Liverpool Football Club podcast brought to you by The Athletic and they feature over 300,000 sporting events on their betting app. It's got everything you need to bet on sport. The domestic season may be over, but we still have the closing stages of the Champions League and the Europa League to play and Bet365 are offering a wide range of markets, including first, last or anytime goal scorers. With over 45 million members, it's the world's favourite online betting company. And with the Bet365 Bet Builder, you can combine match results, players to score, number of goals and more to create your own personalised bet. And if you can't watch the games live with Bet365's Match Live feature, you can follow every moment through live graphics and text. Bet365, it's the world's favourite online sport betting company. The app can be downloaded from Google Play and Apple App Store. Over 18s only. Please gamble responsibly. It's the Red Agenda. I'm Steve Hover, so welcome to this podcast dedicated to the Premier League champions. We're only a couple of weeks from starting over uh, once again. So what's the expectation? And is there a target on Liverpool's back? We'll look at that and the challenge posed by City, United and Chelsea. Uh, we'll also check out the latest developments at the academy in terms of coaching staff and how the next generation may benefit from working alongside the superstars like Salah and Van Dijk once the first team moved to the academy. As always, it's in the esteemed company of Simon Hughes. Welcome, Si. Hello, Steve. Right, well, Simon, just as uh, as we start talking, there's a little bit of news that's broken in the past um, five minutes. So I know you've glanced over it. It's come from a, a German newspaper and they've done an exclusive interview with Jurgen Klopp in which he said he'll walk away from football and take at least a year off after his contract expires at Liverpool. So thankfully, it's it's not now. It's in a few years' time. Um, is it the sort of news you would have expected to come out right now? These sorts of things are broken by managers that there's some sort of reason behind so I'm trying to trying to second guess why he's decided to say it now um, I mean at the end of the day it's still four years away so it's a long time a lot could change he might not be Liverpool's manager in four years time who knows um, but yeah I mean I, I think it's always been quite clear that Klopp has wanted to sort of have his life back at, at some point um, you know before he's too old to sort of appreciate it you know and uh He's spoken before, even when he when he signed his his contract, uh, you know, uh, in December time. I think he'd sort of spoken publicly before about whether he'd carry on, and you know, sort of there was a few question marks around it then. So, I mean, I know he, he feels that way now. Whether he'll feel that way in in, um, in four years' time, who knows? I mean, he'll have been a Liverpool's manager for nine years at, at that point, so it's, it'd be the longest stint he's done at any club, you know. And we, it's obviously well documented that he's done you know, seven years since as a Mainz manager and then and then Dortmund, I think. So uh, he'll have exceeded those periods. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I'm a bit, bit surprised really because, I mean, it was quite interesting some of the quotes, you know, he's saying that that, um, that he won't miss the, the unbearable pressure of, of uh, you know, <laughs> in, in the moments just before kickoff. Like, it's quite interesting because I've, I've spoken to managers about this before and, they, they, they sort of feel, a lot of managers at that point feel, speak about feeling helpless, you know, that they've done all the work, you know, in terms of throughout the course of the week. And when, when you see Klopp go out on the pitch, you know, he goes out on the pitch, doesn't he, and watches the other team train when, it, when he's done that. Maybe that's a sign as well. There's no point watching the Liverpool team warm up at that point, you know, it's, um, it's uh, he's done all his hard work. So he always looks quite relaxed in those moments, I think, but it just shows, you know, that managers feel pressures in different ways and, 
being the sort of person he is, I know he likes sort of a life away from football. I mean, he is 100% football when he's on football, you know, on, on, when he's in, in a professional capacity, but he does like to sort of unwind as well as, you know, I've written before about how informed, you know, he's been a, at a, a regular at the grapes, you know, over the last sort of five years. So I feel a bit mixed about it really. I mean, it's sort of a reminder, of course, that, that not everything lasts forever and that at some point Liverpool will have to think about what they're going to do next so i'd imagine you know that that process should really be starting you know um in reasonable time you know if not soon they should be thinking about the next manager i suppose they think about the next signings and everything else so they should always have an eye on the next manager It'd be interesting to see that shortlist i mean if everything changes in the world of football Klopp himself had planned to take a year off after he left borussia dortmund didn't he in the summer of, of 2015 but the, the temptation of going to Liverpool was too much. I mean, who knows where we'll all be in four years' time, Si? You've spoken before about, you know, I think he quite fancies the idea of taking charge of the German national team and, you know, that that position, um, you know, that, well, hasn't, I think obviously Joachim Lowe's been there for, for a very long time now. Uh, I think he quite likes being the idea of, of maybe that, that sort of role might suit him at that point. You know, it's, it's obviously not as, as intense, you know, that sort of you, you, the, the intensity of those matches, uh, uh, those periods of work only come at certain points in the in the calendar. Maybe that might suit him. Uh, he certainly had no sort of desire to go and manage Bayern Munich like a lot of other German managers. Um, so yeah, I mean, uh, he might, he might, who knows? He might feel differently. I think that's one of the things that he said in the past. Remember, he said a quote about you know sort of ability to change opinion is 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 a strength, not not hold you know holding yourself to an unrealistic target and. Um, being stubborn about the you know the way you feel about certain issues around the game, you know, so yeah, he is liable to change his mind. I think, um, but yeah, I mean, it, in some ways, I suppose it shouldn't come as a surprise because I think he's always sort of um, sort of made it clear that he, he does want to have a period of time away. I mean, obviously, the, the last period of time that he had away was was in sort of twenty fifteen when he I guess he would have been nine years younger when you know sort of in your late mid, mid to late 40s at that point in your life you know you've still got a boundless amount of energy possibly a bit different when you get into your late 50s it's perhaps a conversation that the club don't want to be happening right now isn't it they come back off such a lengthy season everything they've had to um, get round to, to lift the Premier League only a very short break we're two weeks away from the, the Community Shield and it's sort of that conversation that the club wouldn't want to be pit fans, supporters, the worldwide press to be having. It sort of makes you, in some ways, question the mortality of everything. As I say, it's sort of um, you can't imagine Liverpool without Klopp at the moment. You know, at the moment, it's his club, isn't it? His, his, I've said it before, but his, his fingerprints are across everything. Um, yeah, so you, you just can't imagine another manager in charge. But you know, as, as we know, as nothing, nothing does last forever, and. Um, the club would be. I mean, I know from the club's point of view, if they could sign a lifetime contract where he's there forever, I think that the 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 go go for the relationship between him and the owners is just uh, as good as you're going to get in football. I think in terms of the understanding between them and the trust that they have in him. So, yeah, I, I would imagine, of course, that he he's, he'll have had these conversations with the owners over the over the course of the possibly going back when he signs his contract in December. You know, they they'll want to know what is long term. Plans are. He's obviously signed a very long-term contract in December, which was celebrated. It was a surprise move. I, I was very surprised at the time that that they managed to pin him down for for such a length of time. But as we said, you know, it's four years. Four years is is an awfully long time in football. Um, 
And by then, it might it might be right for Liverpool to have a change. Who knows? I mean, it'd be he'll have been Liverpool manager for nine years at that point, and uh, that, that's an awful long time in, in in modern football. I mean, managers don't tend to to get that length of time at any football club. So he'll have, I'm sure, he'll. Have, Added a few more trophies at that point. Uh, you'd always want to leave when you sort of. I think. I think. Listening to him in the past when he spoke about Dortmund and how how he left the club there, he did leave the club in, on really good terms and in a really good state. But in that season, you know, they, they were in the relegation zone at Christmas, and um, they, they ended up. I think they quali- I think they did they qualify. Yeah, of course they qualified for the Europa League because Liverpool played in the following season. But I think he was conscious of the fact that if he stays too long. And you outstay your welcome. I mean, you, everybody can see what happened to Arsene, Arsene Wenger. You know, one of the, arguably the greatest modern manager, um, in the greatest foreign manager the Premier League's ever seen. Um, and now, you know, it's sort of it, it's a tinge of sadness when people talk about the way it ended for him. So, if he get, if he makes it to twenty twenty four, I think he's done incredible to be honest. Because the, the way the game is now, you know, people's opinions change very quickly. I don't think that'll be the case with Klopp because of. The achievements of obviously the the, the last uh, what, the last five years he's been incredible hasn't he but uh, I, I just think he's conscious that he's, he would never want to outstay his welcome we'll see how that conversation develops over the course uh, of the week he's clearly had some personal contemplation on on his future and what he'd like to achieve right on the uh, the athletic right now running each day until the new season begins uh, the premier league 60 so it's uh, it's there to reflect and honor the greatest players to have graced an illuminated English top flight. So there's plenty of players uh, on there you can get stuck into. Your Robbie Fowlers, your, your Luis Suarez's, your Michael Owens as well. And if you'd like to read any of these uh, these pieces and try it out for free, right now uh, we're offering listeners to this show the opportunity to sign up to The Athletic for free. Enjoy all of the great writing, including that Premier League 60 countdown. Head to theathletic.com forward slash Liverpool pod and sign up for a 30-day free trial. That's theathletic.com forward slash Liverpool pod. Okay, this is the um, the red agenda. The team are back at it. Pre-season training in, in Austria. Uh, Jürgen says it's the best part of his job, being surrounded by the people that he really likes. I wonder if that's because the press aren't there with him. They were meant to go to Evian, but they've ended up in Austria. And it's two weeks of, of what size? Is it fairly intensive? Yeah, well, he, he's spoken before, hasn't he, about the... I think in some ways he might be semi-relieved that he doesn't have to go through the rigmarole of a massive pre-season tour in a, in a faraway country. Um, I mean, this this summer was going to be always going to be different anyway. I think obviously last summer he went to the US um, and this summer they were planning on, at one point they were, they were going to go to China and play a friendly there, but obviously that those conversations stopped uh, in, in sort of March time when when lockdown happens, uh, and they were going to play a lot of friendlies around Europe, different teams, but that that won't be happening now. So, I mean, uh, yeah, it's a, it's 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 such a bizarre period, isn't it? Watching Liverpool in pre-season training and the players looking quite fresh, you know, and relaxed, and then also watching last season finish with you know pretty lethargic performance from Manchester City on on their on Saturday night. So it's it's a very unusual time, and I think Klopp will see this is a head start. I mean, I think there's Liverpool are advantaged by this this situation at the moment. You know, to, to be able to a you know sort of have, have a proper break, b get you know a reasonably decent pre season. You know, where where they're actually going to be able to focus on with what already you know decent high you know decent levels of fitness and and have the mental break as well, which obviously you know we just spoke about that. Klopp values that a lot. So. Um, 
so yeah, I mean, he, he loves he loves these periods, these these little trips away where they've had trips to to uh, the Canary Islands before, you know, in, in his early reign and and uh, different parts of France and, and Switzerland. So yeah, I'd, I'd expect Liverpool's players to be to be pre- it'd be pretty intense, I'd imagine. I, I, I can't. He doesn't he doesn't do things by he's not going to take somebody all that. You know, out of the, the the sort of the, the comfort zone of Melwood, and and it's going to be easy for two weeks. I think it's it's going to be pretty intense from from what I hear. Well, as you mentioned, that you know everything's pretty rosy for Liverpool. They're away together. The squad looking high spirits. Um, for the other side, in terms of perhaps next season's closest competitors, things don't look particularly good. United knocked out of the Europa League. City. Of course, uh, beaten in the Champions League by Lyon. So let's let's talk about the challenge that perhaps is heading Liverpool's way. First of all, is, it, is Liverpool's squad good enough to win back-to-back titles for you, Si? Yeah, well, I mean, I, I was looking at sort of the teams that have obviously done this in, in the Premier League era. I mean, Man, Man United have done it four times, Chelsea once and City once. That's back-to-back. Uh, but that hasn't happened for 11 years. So I was sort of questioning why... Why that's happened, and I, I do think that when, um, obviously, with the increased sort of spending power of a lot of clubs, you, you do tend to find that if, if they don't get in the Champions League or if they if they obviously fall short in the in the in the sort of the, the title race, teams over the last ten years have gone big, you know, gone big on spending and tried to to put right what was wrong the year before. And I think that's obviously contributed towards why there's been fewer teams who've been able to go on and dominate. Now I understand that it's been sort of the same sort of teams in the in the top four in that period, but yeah, I mean, I suppose there has been a different name on on the trophy each year. I mean, I, I think Liverpool, are, you know, they won the league by such a margin last season. Uh, the players that have left, you know, aren't players who, who, who you would say are sort of integral in in that in that title charge. But I, I guess that they do need replacing. But I, you know, we've spoken about this before. You know, Adam Lallana, I think, could probably be replaced by. Curtis Jones this season, you know, clearly there's a lot of faith in him. He signed a, a long-term contract, being given a new squad number, um, did influence some, some big, mo- you know, sort of instigated some some big moments last season, scoring against Everton. You know, he's clearly got. Uh, I think that there's been an increased maturity about the way he's handles handles himself both on and off the pitch. So there's a confidence that clearly that he can go in and play the sort of games that that and have the impact that Lallana was had. Then Lovren, I mean, the question mark at the moment is is it centre half? What that conundrum with with centre half? Obviously, I, I think you do need probably four centre halves to to get yourself through a season if you're playing in the Champions League as well. Now, whether I think we spoke about it last week, whether Klopp has has, has got some ideas about you know certain midfielders who could could slot back in there sometimes, and and then and then obviously. Uh, improve the midfields because the the Thiago uh, Thiago discussion hasn't gone away, has it? And I think it'll it'll run on and on and on until he, he signs for another club. So, um, so yeah, I mean, I think they are perfectly positioned, you know, to, to to go and have a have another go at the title. I mean, it, why not? I mean, year on year on year under Klopp, they've improved, haven't they? You know, it'd be, you know, what what are you looking for for next season? Can you improve winning the title? You know, from the from the position that they that they won it. I mean. Yes, they, I, I, I still think they can. It's the era of records, isn't it? You know, the teams are win, winning the titles by scoring all sorts of, uh, by registering all sorts of new records. And I think Liverpool can do that. The, the, the powers of this team isn't just going to dramatically decline over a period of six months. But I do think that maybe in one or two areas, 
it's going to need a bit of improving just to keep them, you know, ahead of the the, the challenging pack. Just quickly, skirt on that that Thiago situation again, because you you just uh, said a little quote there that might have Liverpool fans wondering whether you you know a bit more. You said until he moves to another club, is it is it still your your understanding that Liverpool no further forward with that? Because we see a different headline every day on it. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I spoke to that is another podcast on Friday and noticed that pretty much every quote was um, repurposed on Twitter and some of the context lost around it as well. Um, so yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll be the point is it's clearly a player that Liverpool have discussed uh, internally, a player who Jurgen Klopp, you know, would, would would potentially like to sign, but there are certain hurdles to making that signing. So. Um, you know, they're dealing with a different level of football club um, compared to what they've sort of recruited from in the past. So let's face it, you know, let's have it right. Bayern Munich, um, Southampton, you know, they're the, the, the sort of the biggest club in Germany. You know, it's a bit more difficult to negotiate with. You know, there's the, the players' expectations, which again, uh, sort of something that is definitely going to be in the forefront of the minds of everybody at Liverpool because... Um, you know, if if they, if they give Thiago a, a big contract, other 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 agents are going to be knocking on the door asking for pay rises. So, there's all sorts of things that they have to consider. I mean, clearly, I thought he was outstanding the other night. By the way, in in the um, the game against Barcelona, I mean, obviously a lot of discussion about how Bayern won that game, but I just thought they controlled the midfield from start to finish, and he he was at the forefront of that. You I mean he. As, as good as this Liverpool team has been, as brilliant as the mid, Liverpool's midfield has been, he'd walk into the midfield. I think just the level of ability, his pressing, his, his passing, his calmness. I think the crowd would absolutely love him. Um, so, yeah, I mean, in terms of updates, I mean, there's not much to say from Friday. I think that, you know, people expecting something to happen on a week when he's got a Champions League final. Uh, so potentially to to play, um, I can't imagine that there's going to be too much. Um, Bayern would want him distracted in, in this week because it's a, a massive week for Bayern Munich, who obviously haven't won the Champions League since uh, since beating Jurgen Klopp's Dortmund. So, um, so yeah, I mean, I, I think I think it's one that, that everybody's going to obviously you know want want to see a conclusion with over the next couple of weeks. But um, I don't think it's going to be this week. I'd be I'd be majorly surprised. Hi there, I'm David Ornstein and I've launched a brand new show on YouTube, Ask Ornstein, where I answer questions from our athletic subscribers. To get your question answered, simply leave a comment at the bottom of my column every Monday and I'll choose my favourites. To watch the show, head over to the TIFO Podcast YouTube channel and a new episode will be up every Tuesday afternoon. James Miller's done an interview where he says that Liverpool effectively have a target on their backs Heading into this uh, this campaign, almost indicating it makes it even tougher this time round. That, that's from someone who's won three Premier League titles. Do, do you get a target on your back? Do you think, or does it make it harder? I've got to be honest. I mean, I, I know what he's saying there, and it, you know, Liverpool people will view Liverpool differently just because the champions. But teams have feared Liverpool for a long time now. You know, they, they've been it's been pretty well acknowledged by. Clubs in Europe, Premier League clubs, that Liverpool, uh, you know, if you go to Anfield now, you, you, you're lucky if you're coming away, you know, with, with a clean sheet on your, your part, you know what I mean? Liverpool, Liverpool's record in the league's been, you know, they're unbeaten in the league at Anfield for, for such a long time. I'm not really sure whether the mindset of other teams will change that dramatically because, um, 
you know, they, they've been accepted as, as, as one of the best teams in Europe, if not the best team. In fact, they are the best team. They're still, you know, officially the best team in Europe. Um, so I, I don't see, I know what he's saying, and I, I suppose he's, he's, from an internal point of view, probably trying to remind the players that, look, you know, like we might be champions, but this is only going to get harder from here. I mean, he's one of the, I suppose, the few players who've, who've, who've won a league title before, so he knows what that's like. So I think it's the voice of an experienced sort of player who is just trying to ensure that, you know, that all the players remember that, the, the, you know, you, your levels just because you're champions aren't, can't drop. They've got to actually probably increase. Um, yeah, don't yeah, be too I mean, cocky. Don't rest yeah, on your laurels. It's exactly. obvious messages. Yeah, I, I just think that teams now, you know, how's, how do you go in combat playing Liverpool? We discussed it on the pod before about, like, how difficult it is to stop a team where the fullbacks are the most creative players, really. How do you stop those fullbacks? I just think it's a really hard thing to do. Um, so, yeah, I, th- I think it's more of a bit of a, a rallying cry, you know, to, to make sure that the players realise that. And that'll be something that'll be drummed into them over the over the course of the next few weeks, that the challenge uh, is, is more of a, a personal one for them, more than the, the, te- the, the teams that they're coming up against themselves, just making sure that they're still on top of their own game. Uh, and they don't let anything slip because if you do, still, you know, the standards in the Premier League are still high. You've still got top quality centre forwards you can punish you. You've still got teams you can take advantage of any any weaknesses. So, yeah, that'll be the challenge, I think, for Liverpool to ensure that they're still on their game. Do you think with the way that City season has ended, that psychologically there's been a huge advantage handed Liverpool's way here. I mean, you you can't tell me that in a couple of weeks' time all the City players will have just perfectly reset and everything will be back to normal as if the two were, were head-to-head. There's a, there's a clear problem in that City camp, isn't there? Well, uh, I think, you know, as you said, they're going to be back in training in a few weeks' time. So, yeah, you know, they, they obviously come back and had a nice break somewhere. But I think there's still quite a lot of work to do at City. You know, I mean... I, I don't think one season necessarily follows the next in the sense that just because Liverpool finished 20, 25 points above City, they start the next season 25 points better than them, if that makes sense. I'll show you how many other points it was in the end. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I think that if they'd have won the Champions League, that would have given the club a massive, obviously a huge, huge lift. But I just think the manner of the defeat to lose to... To Leon, who let's have it right, you know, seventh best team in France, um, you know, it's, it's a bit of a crushing blow for, for Man City to lose that game. So, you know, they're, they're going to be the team that, that are going to be you're going to be most wary of. I know, obviously, Chelsea are spending you know quite a lot of money on players, but you know, I, th- I think the gap between Liverpool and Chelsea was was sort of proven in that that game at Anfield. Really, I think that they, they've got a lot of work to do, Chelsea, to sort of catch up to Liverpool. Man United again, sort of. Um, Europa League. I, I wonder, I think they've got some top quality players, some really exciting youngsters, but I, I don't know whether they've got, you know, is Ole Gunnar Solskjaer on the same level as, as Klopp or, or Guardiola? I've got to be honest, I just don't think he is at this moment. Maybe he might he might prove to be in years to come, but I just think the gap is a bit, bit too big. So Liverpool, for me, absolutely got to go into the season as favourites. I think City, you know, will, will, will argue that, of course, but I think that um, psychologically, to, to to lose that game um, and to, you know, it's a sort of performance and, and tactical display where I, I guess the players will question, you know, that will we the manager where we set up in the right way for for that game. Uh, there was an article in the Athletic today 
written by Adam Crafton and Sam Lee, where there's at least certainly one Manchester City player sort of wondering what the hell they were doing, really playing five at the back or three at the back or five at the back against Leon. Um, so yeah, uh, the, the few 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 signs of encouragement from a Liverpool point of view, but certainly something to think about for, for Guardiola because he was brought to the club. Let let's let's be fair, he was brought to the club not just to bring football, but like sort of the put them on that real elite pedestal of winning a, winning a Champions League. And he hasn't got anywhere near it yet, has he? No, all too often in the, the big matches as well, he tries to be too clever and change too many things. Um, interesting response from Bernardo Silva on his, uh, his social media aimed at Liverpool fans. He says, for all those Liverpool fans that have nothing else to do uh, than to come to a Man City player account, uh, I'm sorry for you, but for the wrong reasons. Pathetic, go celebrate your titles, try and find a partner, drink a beer with a friend, read a book, so many options. He's obviously been inundated with perhaps... Um, responses on social media. Look, it's not the nicest place sometimes, is it? We we know that. I'm just interested to see how a player of his level was sort of baited there and publicly to respond in that way, Si? I mean, clearly that, that, that had come from the video, hadn't it, where they were in Lisbon, I think, the night before, you know, with him giving a rallying cry to the Manchester City players saying, you know, I would love to win this in my home city and this, that and the other. And obviously Liverpool fan, that, that's just gone around the world very quickly. Um, I mean, I, I, don't, I don't like these sorts of tit-for-tat arguments, but I, I do think sort of the antipathy between the sets of fans certainly has, has risen over the last uh, the last few years. I, I think that I think that when Manchester City won the title last season and the players were sit, you know, filming, singing songs about Liverpool on the plane, I don't think that was probably the smartest thing to do. I mean, straight away he's going to have that argument thrown in his face, isn't he? When he complains about, you know, Liverpool fans not 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 sort of just enjoying their own moments. But yeah, I mean, it's this pile on on social media. I just tend to find that if you draw more, he's, he's ends up drawing more attention to himself, hasn't he? Than 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 than. than um, then, then actually, you know, I, I wouldn't have obviously known that was happening until, you know, until he put that tweet out. To be honest, but, um, but yeah, I mean, I, I just, I just feel that, that that it's it's an interesting time between the two clubs because clearly, you know, I think there's a feeling from City, you know, that they it goes back to to twenty fourteen when Liverpool missed out on the title and, and City won. You know, I remember speaking to a few people at that time and, you know, sort of City felt that they, they weren't given enough credit, you know, for, for, for hauling Liverpool back and, and winning the title. And ever since then, the sort of the messages between the clubs and the fan base has just got progressively worse. And I just hate all I mean, it's it's a load of, you know, so, social media can be a cesspool at some time. So you do have to be careful what you say. Yeah, it's horrible reading some of the stuff there. Uh, this is The Red Agenda uh, on The Athletic, and this podcast is brought to you by Manscaped, the experts in men's below-the-belt grooming. Yes, below-the-belt grooming. Uh, Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. And Manscaped has just launched in the UK. And they've gone years without using or we've gone years without using the right tools for the job. <laughs> so you can be one of the first men in the country to experience Manscaped's life changing products third generation trimmer uh, featuring a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce manscaping accidents and the water resistant technology also allows you to groom while you're in the shower i've got a special offer right now for all of you listening to the podcast get 20 percent off and free shipping using the code epl20 that's epl20 at manscaped.com that's 20 percent off with free shipping at manscaped.com by using the code epl20 happy 
shaving. Right, it's the Red Agenda. We'll talk about um, the academy in just a moment. First, a um, couple of reasons for the Liverpool squad to celebrate. Jurgen Klopp named the Premier League manager of the season and Trent's given the Young Player of the Season award. Uh, Kevin De Bruyne was given the accolade of Player uh, of the Year. So that's the official Premier League awards that have been announced uh, in the past few days. And any quick thoughts on that one, Si? Yeah, I mean... Uh... De Bruyne, the, the conversation around him is quite interesting because he's clearly a fabulous player. But, you know, despite all his efforts, it has obviously led to City's sort of worst sort of finish for, for a few years. Uh, and I, I think that there was sort of an interesting debate on Twitter yesterday. I'm trying to remember who, who it was. But you were making the point that when, when De Bruyne wasn't in the team um, the season before, last when City did win the league, it was a sort of feeling that City... City actually played better collectively because they obviously looked to him as like sort of the talisman. Um, so yeah, I mean, I I, I would have personally had, had either Henderson or Mane ahead of him just because of the scale of their achieve what they what they've done this season and the scale of their the achievements at Liverpool. But um, yeah, you can't argue you can't argue with Trent or, or Klopp. I think I understand the, the merits of quick Chris Wilder, but. I just think you know to, to to turn Liverpool around the juggernaut of Liverpool and, and make them champions and, and European champions and do it in the fashion that they have. I just think that 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 achievement eclipses eclipses what Chris Wilde has done at Sheffield United, which is equally an incredible job. Yeah, totally agree. Let's get to Liverpool's academy. Big development um, in the past seven days or so, where Gary O'Neill. I take the role of the under-23s assistant manager. It's perhaps um, a position that, I don't know, a couple of years ago, you'd have had no idea who was holding that role. But there's more and more scrutiny, particularly with the successes coming out of the academy. So it's fairly coveted role now. And um, he will work alongside uh, Barry Lutas, who was confirmed as Neil Critchley's uh, replacement. So Gary O'Neill, how have they landed on him? I'm sure there was quite a few former players who would have been considered for this one, side. His relationship with Michael Edwards goes back to when Edwards pretty much started out as a data analyst at Portsmouth, and uh, you know he was, he was met with a fair bit of resistance. I think at, at that time, you know, even Harry Redknapp, who, who sort of um, we, we know what Harry Redknapp's like as a manager, he certainly doesn't come across as a as a sort of a data boffin. Uh, but he, he was won, won around by by Edwards and, and sort of speaks very highly of him and. I think Gary O'Neill was one of the players at Portsmouth who sort of quickly got on board with with the sort of the uh, the, the material that Edwards was producing because I think the players thought that he, he was there to undermine undermine what they were doing and actually you know the players came to realise that well you know you can also flip that on on the other side and and um, you know go armed into a team meeting with lots of stats about how well you've played even if the manager's telling you you haven't run far enough so. Gary O'Neill was like sort of cent- central to like sort of um, the team at that point, and 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 I think Mike, Michael Edwards uh, invited. Oh, sorry, when Gary O'Neill got married, Michael Edwards was there. So they, they've obviously got a close relationship now. That's all fine, of course, and I, I agree with what you're saying, Steve, because I think quite a few uh, ex-players at Liverpool would would have fancied that job, and well, obviously, I don't know whether they put the names forwards or or what, but um, clearly. Uh, that, that they were sort of overlooked for that role in favour of somebody who's got no connections with the club. Gary O'Neill played for, for Portsmouth, West Ham, Bolton, Middlesbrough. Nearly joined Liverpool as a player as well under under Rafa Benitez, so so he claims. So 
Um, it was a bit of a surprise move, but you know this has happened a few times at Liverpool over the last few years. I mean, they've got another ex-Portsmouth player who, who Michael Edwards knows from uh, the when uh, Andy O'Brien, who, who works as in, in the scouting department and, and sort of uh, is quite key in, in making those initial approaches with with players that they're trying to sign as well. I believe um, a few years ago there was Jonathan Woodgate, who I think Edwards knows from many the, 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 the Tottenham periods as well. So. It's obviously clearly being shaped around his opinion. So, I mean, obviously at the moment, it, you know, his, his, state, his stock is very high amongst uh, Liverpool fans, particularly because of the success rate that they've had with a lot of the signings. But I can understand some of the questions around, well, you know, sh- should it really just be people that he, he, who he's friends with? Clearly not. He clearly thinks that they could they can do a job, uh, that qualified to do the job as well. So interesting conversation around it because, you know, the academy sort of... Um, you know, is, is going to be a really important place, you know, over the next uh, couple of years, particularly with, you know, potentially spending restrictions and, and uh, what what Klopp wants to do with the team as well and, and sort of the direction of uh, football clubs after Brexit as well, you know, so they're going to need some, I think, potentially some more players coming out of the academy. So um, it's quite clear though, Gary O'Neill, you know, I think in the, in the discussions they have with Michael Edwards has said that he wants to become a manager in his own right in, in years to come. So uh, given the number of people who've been in these positions over the last few years who've moved on to more senior roles at, at, at let's face it, perhaps well lesser clubs. Yeah, he might not be there too long. You get the sense that the profile of the academy has never been higher. I mean, we're perhaps just witnessing another golden era when it comes to talent. Uh, Harvey Elliott, Curtis Jones, that the list continues. But many of these players transitioning to the first team as well. So... It is so important it's in the right hands at the moment. Well, it is, yeah. I mean, I, I've sort of said there, you know, he's, he's obviously bringing in outsiders, which, again, I can understand the conversation around it. But, you know, Alex Inglethorpe was an outsider when he when he came to Liverpool and was given, given you know, the keys to the academy uh, and, and, and sort of become a major figure there. And there's no doubt that he's, in, he's improved the situation. I think what has helped, of course, is the fact that Liverpool got stability at first team level um, because I wrote about it a few months ago. When you've got so much change at first team level, the expectations on the academy uh, can shift a lot, which which then creates uh, destabilisation at that level as well. So I think now that everybody sort of knows what Klopp's after, it becomes a lot easier to run an academy. Um, but with you know, obviously, with the, the values of, of of what people you know sort of style as the Liverpool way. So, um, as you said, Steve, that you know the, the sort of focus on it is enormous now. You know, because of mainly actually, I'd say probably the in-house media channels that the club have. You know, the sort of obviously a lot of the games are on TV. You know, that so they, they get a lot of publicity. People gone are the days where you sort of hear whispers whispers of a sixteen-year-old scoring hat tricks. Like you know about those players, sort of. In advance now, so um, so yeah, there's a different sort of pressure on the on these players coming through, um, and uh, I, th- I think certainly the next few years there's going to be opportunities. For, I mean, Klopp's as I said a year ago. I mean, I, I'm going to contradict myself a little bit, but a year ago, not few people knew about Nico Williams because I guess he was a right back, and people don't tend to talk about right backs in the same way as centre forwards, I suppose. But he's now, you would say, you know, got a very bright future at Liverpool's first team. So that should that should give players a a lot of hope that if if you go and tra- you've got to be able to train with Liverpool's first team to have any chance. If you if you can't keep up with the physical demands of playing for Jurgen Klopp, you, you've got no chance. You've got to be really 
fit and 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 robust and and uh, and strong enough to to deal with the the sort of the challenges that the training sessions that he that he sets up because uh, if you can't, I, I, I think that you know you're going to struggle to, to to sort of make an impression on him. You've done a piece on the site, uh, Simon, where you're talking about the the move to Kirby, so the first team heading up there and joining the academy, and you say that Klopp will still want to maintain a balance of exclusivity and a culture of humility. So even though the first teamers are moving up there, it's, it's literally not going to be a free-for-all, is it? No, no. I mean, I, I think a lot of the sort of, uh, the move to, to, to Kirby has been in the making for sort of four years, really, because when when Klopp um, first came in, it was one of the things that he sort of got, not frustrated by, but it's the thing that he identified quickly that um, he wants access to these players quickly, you know, but there's a, you know, there's there's five or six miles difference between the two sites, Melwood and Kirby, and, and you know the traffic getting from one place to the other can be quite tricky at times. So it meant that you know there'd be disruption. A, if he wanted somebody at short notice, there'd be potentially disruption to his team and the teams that are training down at the academy. So this just means that everybody's a lot closer together. And you know, Klopp was told when when he, when um, when Liverpool. When he, when he first put this to the owners, that this would have an impact on on sort of your spending capacity. And he was like, "Look, this this is really important for the club's future. I, I think I can't emphasise it enough." And they managed to make it work, you know. So it's very much Klopp who's driven driven the the relocation, um, and I, I think it'll just mean that, that you know that if, if there's a play, you know, shorter numbers or you know, the, the, there's the quicker decisions can be made, and and it, the op, the operation will just be a lot lot smoother. And you know there'd be bigger facilities. I mean, Melwood was a relatively tight space for a training ground of, of Liverpool size, I suppose. And it'll just mean that that the, the as I said, you know, in terms of the exclusivity and the humility, I don't clearly don't want players who sort of feel that they're part of the first team squad just because they're on the same site anymore. There's you know going to be certain rules and regulations in, in place to ensure that players still have that. I, Still have that 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 sort of uh, motivation, nothing that they made because a lot of players used to tell me, you know, like sort of going back the years that they they saw the benefit of being able to see where you were heading, you know, being able to visualise in a few years' time I'm going to be up there. Whereas that's always been a bit of a problem. There's sort of the disconnection between Kirby and Melwoods. Uh, it hasn't always felt like the same club, but that's always been in periods of of difficulty in a fair team level. I think. I think. You know, when when the first team's doing well, a lot more seems to make sense across all levels of the club, doesn't it? Uh, but I think that what he's doing here is just really sort of reinforcing um, the operation at Liverpool and making sure that the players have got the best chance of impressing him. Now, the Red Agenda's uh, sponsored by Harry's. And, of course, the Red Agenda is your number one podcast uh, for Liverpool Football Club. Harry's was founded by Jeff and Andy, two ordinary guys. They were sick and tired of overpriced razors. Uh, they decided we're going to take less profit and offer great quality products at a fair price. So their amazing quality blades are now almost half the price of the leading five-blade brand. Harry's trial set includes everything you need for a close, comfortable shave. As a listener, you can start shaving with Harry's today by claiming your trial set for £3.95. Support the podcast and get your set delivered to you, including a razor handle, five-blade cartridge, foaming shave gel and travel blade cover. Head to harrys.com forward slash the red agenda right now. That's harrys.com forward slash the red agenda. Let's finish with a word on uh, Rianne Brewster, who's actually back training with Liverpool. So he's on the preseason camp in uh, in Austria. He's um, done an interview with the uh, the in-house 
uh, TV in which he talks about wanting to stay and be part of the the side for the coming season. Of course, who, who wouldn't? He scored 11 goals for Swansea and he's pretty pretty great for them in terms of his loan spell last season. There are players like Rianne Brewster or maybe even Harvey Elliott. Is, is there a question mark as to whether they have loan spells in them again next season, Si? I, I think he might go out on loan again, but they'll, they'll probably be looking for a Premier League club if he does go out on loan. Um, you know, he, he absolutely stormed the championship, didn't he? Um, he's proven that he can play at that level. I think he'll need to be tested by a better standard of football. Um, you know, I, was, I was having a chat with a mate of mine the other day about this, and so a bit speculative, but it'll be interesting to see sort of which clubs in the Premier League might, might take him on. I mean, if you score 11 goals in the championship, mm. whether you're a loan or not, Premier League clubs are looking at you, you know, in that space of time. He, he, brilliant, you know, for Swansea. Made it look easy, didn't he? Made it look easy. It didn't look like he was, uh, you know, didn't look uncomfortable in any of the games. I mean, I, I can't say this or all the games, but the games that I did see, he was, he was often the best player on the pitch. So, it'd be interesting to see which Premier League clubs will, um, will, will be knocking on the door, you know, acquiring about him. I mean, who knows? West Brom have obviously just, just come up. Um, and Aston Villa is another one who, uh, you know that they didn't really have an established centre forward last season, so I wonder whether they might think have a little dig at him and, and give him a chance. But that that that's going to be a, a big decision because if you go to a Premier League club and you, you don't you don't sort of flourish, um, it can knock a player back quite quickly. So they, they they'll have to they'll have to really think about that carefully. Um, so, but if not, I mean, I, I know how much Jurgen Klopp values him as a player. I know how much the owners absolutely love Ryan Brewster. I mean, uh, uh, Mike Gordon, uh, who obviously Boston based when uh, Ryan Brewster was um, returning to to, uh, to to sort of the first team training last year. I think it was last year, maybe possibly the year before. You know, after a long layoff, was like sort of watching the game on a feed because you know he's so excited by this player. And yeah, I mean, I know he obviously didn't maybe. Shine in, in the game against Arsenal in, in the League Cup, but I, you know, I, I just think you look at him. I think I think he looks like a, a bigger, more robust player just by playing in the Championship. So, for me, I'd be I'd be surprised if he if he didn't get his opportunities at Liverpool because I think he's got enormous potential. With, with Elliot, he's a bit younger, isn't he? So, um, yeah, I mean, he's he's obviously had impact on the first team last season. Um, so yeah, I mean, I I, I don't think. I'd be surprised if there was a low move in the reckoning for him because he's a little bit younger and I think Klopp will want to spend a bit more time shaping him into the player um, that he, he wants him to be for Liverpool. You know, he often speaks about the value of um, the value of training sessions at Melwood and I think another year down the line, he's only been at the club for a year as well. So uh, he's a bit further back on his development perhaps. and um, But that doesn't mean he's, he's going to get fewer chances. It just obviously, I just think he probably needs to to have that experience of being at Melwood a bit more. Great stuff. Uh, right, there's some brilliant articles on the site at the moment, including the piece that Simon's written about Graham Sooners. I've teased a couple of times that we were going to talk about it. And uh, today we were meant to have former Red David Thompson on. He's obviously got a close affiliation with, with Sooners through his, his Blackburn days. He couldn't make it at the last minute. Tech problems. So we'll get him next week. So if that's all right with you, Si, we'll, we'll talk Sooners in some depth in, in a week's time because it, it was a fascinating chat and, and look that you had at him. I mean, I'm used to you letting me down now, Steve, so don't worry. <laughs> uh, Simon Hughes, thank you very much indeed. And the Red Agenda will return in a week. And, and fingers crossed we can get over those tech barriers and get David Thompson involved in the conversation as well. Thanks, as always, uh, for listening. See you in a week's time. Mm-hmm. 